Who's ready to go home? <laughs> All right. We're going to dive into the message and just want to encourage you to just let the Holy Spirit shower over you and be encouraged to what God has for us this morning. I want to play a game of word association. I hope you know how to play the game. Very simple and straightforward. I'm going to say a word and you say the first word that comes in your mind that's pretty much related to that word to a certain degree. So here we go. You ready? They will be a test after. Cold. Hi. French. English. Press. Vanilla. <laughs> wow. French press. I like that one. I was looking for French fries. That's, that's where my heart's at. You know what I'm saying? Uh, French fries, French toast, whatever works for you. That was good. Day. Nice. Well done. Mirror. Trump? No, just kidding. We're not going to do that one. I'm just totally kidding around. It's interesting when you say certain words, they bring certain memories to light or certain stories. I'm going to say a word now that you may know the second part to it. So here's the name. I want you to fill in the blank next. David? David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Now I know the sermon's title may have given it away. However, here's what's interesting about the David and Goliath story. If you ask people that haven't grown up in the church, know nothing about the church, know nothing about scripture, often you can mention the story of David and Goliath, and they get it, and they know it. And they may not have the story verbatim, or how it's said in scripture, but they kind of get the idea that there was a guy, a young guy, beat up a big guy. That's kind of the gist of what people would say. And we're going to dive through the story of David and Goliath today, because we want to talk about the giants in our life and what's going on there. Now, just a quick refresher on the story. There's a Philistine army, which is Israel's mortal enemy. Okay, They're camped on one side of a mountain, and another side of the mountain, there's the Philistines and the champions and the Israelites. Okay, So you've got this valley and mountains, and there's a valley in between, and there's this gentleman who represents a Philistine army named Goliath. And he is a behemoth of a man. And what we're going to do is spend time in Scripture this morning out of 1 Samuel 17. So if you have your Bible in front of you, that's page 284. Or you can go to your phone or go through the Bible there in front of you. Whatever works for you. So I'm going to start reading through Scripture, but here's what I want to get started with. Nobody wanted a piece of Goliath. That's what we know in this story. Now one person wanted to step up into this battle to take on this huge, huge man. Because he also had a reputation as well that he was a mighty warrior, a mighty fighter, and he could hurt a lot of people. So 1 Samuel 17, 25 says this. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him, and his, him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. So the king is suggesting to people, if anybody steps up to the fight, I will provide you with all your material needs. You won't have to pay taxes. As a matter of fact, you will be rich beyond what you can imagine. And yet nobody has stepped up at this point. There was a story about another rich young man, and he wanted to marry off his daughter. So he decided to get word out there that whoever marries his daughter would be blessed with mansions and oil and money and all these sort of things. So what happened was he decided to make this offer. He had filled a swimming pool with alligators. 
from one end to the other. And he said to any man willing to jump into that pool to swim from one side to the other and be successful, you'll get the mansions, you get the oil, you get the millions of dollars, and you get to have his daughter in marriage. Everybody was pretty excited about this great opportunity. Wow, this sounds pretty neat. I can't wait to do this. And you get to marry this daughter. And it was tense, though, because they're thinking, who's going to swim in this pool with a bunch of alligators? Then all of a sudden, there was a splash. Boom! And a speed of lightning, this one man started from one part of the pool. He got through all the alligators, got to the other side, and it was exciting. And he gets out of the pool, and he's gasping for air, and he's just, wow, really tired. And this millionaire runs up to this man, and he says to him, son, that was tremendous. I suppose you now want to marry my daughter. And the young man said, no way. He said, oh, I guess you want my mansions. And he said, I don't want that either. And then they said, I guess you want the oil well. He said, no, sir. I don't even want that. And the man said, well, what do you want? The man said, I just want to know the name of the guy that pushed me in. <laughs> See, in this particular scenario, there was nobody willing to step in. And with David and Goliath, in that story before David came along, nobody was willing to step into the fight because this man was a giant and nobody had the courage to step in. And this giant was taunting the Israel nation. He was making fun of them, and nobody would step in. And sometimes when we look at our lives, we can face a giant that we may not be willing to face, that we might be looking at and going, this is real in my life, but I'm not willing to face it, because maybe, perhaps, if I look the other way, or if I ignore the problem, it's just going to go away. And I think we recognize this, that if we ignore our problems, they typically don't go away. In my car, when it makes lots of loud noises, you know what I do? I turn up the radio. <laughs> Does that solve my problems long term? Never. It just kind of ignores what's actually there. And when we've got problems in our life and giants in our life, we may not want to face them either. Perhaps your marriage in a, is in a tough place today. And you're not willing to face that. Maybe you've got a disease or an illness that you're just not, not knowing what to do with it. And you're facing that. Perhaps it's a financial shortfall. It could be an addiction, something you're facing there. It could be resentment. It could be fear. It could be unforgiveness. It could be worry, bitterness, shame, or doubt. There might be something that you're facing. See, I recognize this, and I think we all do. Life is full of battles. And how we face our battles is going to make a great big difference in our lives. Because David was the guy that was willing to step up. And he had the courage to step up and step into the battle that he was facing. So we're going to dive into chapter 17, verses 4 to 11. A champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor and bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore boar greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up the battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. 
Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So here is Goliath coming out day to day, mocking this army to say, step up and fight me, show me what you got. And I will meet you on the battlefield and we will settle it there. Goliath was nine feet, six inches tall. Okay, now I can't picture that myself. I'm 5'11", which isn't short or tall. But here's the thing. The average male in those days, the Hebrew male was five feet, six inches. So here's David, and here's Goliath. So David would be the average Hebrew male, probably five foot, six inches, and here's Goliath. Nine, six. Mercy. We'd have to, like, change the church doors to get the brother in here. That's a big man, isn't he? And what, according to commentaries, Goliath was a champion. That's what they called him for 10 years. What that essentially means that he was he killed at least 100 men a year for 10 years. So you do the math on that. He was a well-oiled machine, wasn't he, when it came to the art of war. That's what he was known for. Now, when you hear the story of a Goliath coming out, and he has a spear that weighs over 25 pounds, he has all those weapons on him, and what's interesting is you picture what he's doing. He's walking out into the battlefield, all dressed up in these coat of arms, looking the part, looking like he is somebody you don't want to mess with. And what's interesting about that is he comes out, this is a form of psychological warfare, isn't it? He comes out with all his garb, all his equipment to show people that he is good at what he's doing. But sometimes, when you run into the right person at the right time, all that armor, all that appearance means nothing in the sight of God. Because God is powerful, and he can do many, many things. And sometimes, when you think about the intimidations of our story and our lives, when we face things that seem so much bigger, but we put God in the right context in our lives and allow him in our circumstances, these intimidating things we see aren't as bad as they appear in what we're facing. And we need to look at those things as well. When you think about this, when you think about what happened here in Scripture, we read in 17, verse 24, when the Israelites saw this man, they ran for him in great fear. So here comes Goliath, and this army of people are afraid of this man because of what he can do. And I find it interesting that people would often run away from him. And what Goliath did, as he shouted out to people, was very common in warfare in the Eastern world. Because what often happens is they take your best fighter on each army. They meet you in the middle ground. And whoever wins that battle essentially means the war is over. And the winning individual, their army, now it can domain over you and the other army has to serve you. And that's what Goliath was essentially saying. Come on down. If anybody defeats me, I will submit and it will be over. But nobody could be found. Now Goliath issued this challenge for 40 days. 40 days. And that's what it is with the giants in our life as well. So David was there. He saw what was going on. But Goliath is taunting this army for 40 days. And we look at our life problems. They're there morning, day, and night, aren't they? They don't always just go away. And sometimes our problems can taunt us as well because we're so focused on the circumstance and we don't know how we're going to get through. But if we don't confront and conquer those giants we have with the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives are going to be miserable. See, every time Goliath would issue a challenge, the Israel battle line would move backwards. 
There was nobody that could be found. There was no king that would fight. There wasn't a general, a commander, any soldiers. They were paralyzed with fear. And now we enter a young man, a shepherd, a matter of fact, named David. Verses 26 to 27. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistines and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Let's continue to read. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Let's continue to read. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take the epath, the roasted grain, and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheese to the commander of their unit. Now what's amazing about this, if you look at David's life, before he decided to step into this battle, he was running errands. He was serving his family. So God was preparing him in the small things for this huge battle in front of him. And we have to ask ourselves too, how faithful are we in the small things? So we have the ability through who God is in our life to face the bigger things that are ahead of us, that stand in front of us. In order to face our giants, we have to have the courage to step up. And there's going to be many times where we can't solve our problems. And instead of stepping away from the problem, we need to look the problem right in the eye. And some of you here this morning, perhaps, are at a place today where you're not even willing to face the problem you might have. You might think it's going to go away on its own. See, sometimes we feel like cutting and running, don't we? We're not willing to face the problem when we have marital problems. We want to run away. When we have financial problems, we want to run away. We have other problems, spiritual problems. We want to run away. I want to encourage you not to run away. David also had confidence to know that he could step out in this battle because the Lord, the God, was with him. See, when David volunteered to fight Goliath, you would think there'd be a sense of relief around the camp. Finally, somebody's here to take this giant down. But that's not the case. David was the only guy willing to step in to face this giant. 1 Samuel 17.25 Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. Again, in other words, do you see how big and strong and powerful and mighty this man is? And you want us to go face him? Are you kidding me? No one was willing to go because they didn't have the courage or the strength to do so. And David decides, I can do this. Let's continue to read. 1 Samuel 17:33. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he's been fighting man from his youth. So here's the king telling David, You're a young lad. You have no experience. You can't make this happen. And Goliath has been fighting from his youth. So everybody else is focusing on Goliath and how big and how strong he was. But David, he focuses on something much greater, much greater than he and much greater than the army. Let's continue to read verses 34 to 37. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, 
when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from his flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hands of the Philistines. Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Now isn't that amazing to think, here's this young man telling the king, here's what I've done in my life. I have taken down other beasts in my life. If I saw a sheep going on their own, they're getting attacked by another animal. Sheep, you are on your own. But David decides, you know what? I'm going to protect and do what I can. And that's what he does. What's interesting here, though, when you read in the scriptures, is that David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. His focus is on the Lord. His focus is not on himself. His focus is not on his skills. It's not on his abilities. But it took a shepherd boy to remind this king just how great and powerful God is. And maybe that's what you need here today, that God is greater than the giant you are facing today. That he is with you in your circumstance. And we are to remember that he is with us. But I think what happens if we're honest in our lives, we tend to forget God's victories in our lives, and we focus on the failures that we've seen. We forget how victorious he's been in our life, and we focus on the circumstance. I think we should sometimes take a moment, a time out in our life, to reflect back on our life, to go, look how God has delivered me, time and time and time again, on his timeline, on his agenda. And when we do that, as David did, he's reminding everyone else, it's a testimony to the people there saying, I used to run errands, I used to do all these things, but now I'm willing to fight. I fought bears and lions before, and God is with me, and I'm willing to face this giant. This is what scripture says, verse 37, the Lord who delivered me again from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hands of the Philistines. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What's, what I love about this, here's David, this young man, this shepherd, convincing this king with his testimony about how powerful God is and what happens. Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. He's convinced himself because of the power of this young man's life. I find that incredible. I find that encouraging as well. Scripture continues to say, and catch this. All those gathered here will know that this is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Did you catch that? The battle is the Lord's. David's perspective is completely different than anybody else in that room. And our perspective should be the same. The battle we have is not my battle. It's not your battle. You're in the battle. But it's not your battle. It's God's battle. And I think we can forget that sometimes. Be encouraged because David was willing to face the giant to recognize that this is God's battle. And the giant you're facing today, it's God's battle as well. David was also committed to step into the battle. 1 Samuel 40-44. to 
Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Now picture that for a second. Here's David. He's got a stones, and he's going to go confront the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with a shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you the flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. So here's David on one side, here's Goliath on the other. And there's a shield bearer there as well that went ahead with Goliath. I often wonder what he was thinking during this time. He sees David approaching this fight with not much more than a slingshot. He looks behind him. He's got Goliath, who's got all this armory. And the shield bearer has probably seen a lot of battles go down pretty quickly with Goliath. Because Goliath is so strong. And the shield bearer and Goliath himself is looking at David, feeling completely mocked by everybody there. Can you not picture that? Can you not see the humor in that? I think it's amazing that God took this to show us even more so, because what's going on here, Goliath's pride is just seeping up out of him. He's ready to go. He's like, come on. This is a child, and you sent him to me? What an insult. So he's possibly thinking, I am going to destroy this man like I've never destroyed any other individual in my life, because you guys have mocked me and made fun of me. And the battle's about to be joined, and again, he has waited 40 days to face Israel's best. And what do they come up with? This little shepherd boy. Bit of an insult, isn't it? And so what happens? The shepherd boy comes again, David. No spear, no sword, no shield. And he's ready to go. And that one decent soldier to fight him, here comes David. And just like everybody expected in this story, the fight didn't last long because they thought Goliath was going to take David and destroy him. And it'd be over. All right, it's done. Let's go home. We'll try this again tomorrow. And let's see what the Bible says. 1 Samuel 45 to 50. David said to the Philistine, I love the boldness here. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Amen? The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Mercy. Today I give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Do you see the power of testimony right there? The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. There's a God in Leamington. There's a God in Kingsville. Amen. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into her hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, picture that. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching in his bag. Taking on a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. 
you could probably hear a pin drop in that valley at this point. Because a young man with no armory just destroyed the Goliath. And what's amazing is this. Let's continue to go. Verses 50 to 51. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down a Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him and took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from his scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Then David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. So David took Goliath's head and his sword and his shield and his weapon and put him in his tent. Now, I can't prove this, but I often wonder when you hear this story, did David have a trophy case at home with all the reminders of how God's been faithful in his life? Isn't that kind of cool? Now, I don't want Goliath's head in my fireplace, or over it for that matter, but what I love about the, the symbolism of that and the reminder for us is to take time to reflect on what God has done, and sometimes there might be some physical things we can look back on to remind us of God's faithfulness. And that's what David did. And when he did what he did, it encouraged a whole bunch of people, didn't it? It discouraged the Philistine army, but encouraged the Israel nation. Now, there are, there are reminders to David and to us that every problem we face, there's a possibility we trust God. If we allow ourselves to walk in the spirit of who God is in our life. You name any problem, any challenge you're facing today, it is small compared to who God is. Now, we're not minimizing what you're going through. That's not what we're saying. We are saying we are with you as a church to walk with whatever you're facing. But we recognize this. Don't put the hope in us. Don't put the hope in your friends and your family because the circumstances you're going through, those people can be helpful. God can deliver you and help you. What the outcome is, I'm not sure. But what I'm saying is, is the example is that we lean into Jesus. We don't lean into ourselves. When I lean into myself, I am in trouble. I am in trouble. But when I lean into Jesus, and when we all lean into Jesus, it doesn't mean our problems are going to go away necessarily. But it does mean that we have a hope and a peace that we can experience in our own flesh. It only comes through the power of who Jesus Christ is. So when you think about what's going on in our lives and the problems that we're facing, be reminded that God can give us victory. See, sometimes we worry so much, don't we? Sometimes our problems keep us up at night. And we worry and we think through them, how are we going to do? How are we going to manage? And the Bible says this in Matthew 6, 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So we know worrying isn't very useful, is it? It's just not good for us. Doctors point out that 75% of all doctor visits are related to stress and anxiety because of things we face and how are we going to get through. Dr. Charles Mayo, he's a doctor at the famous Mayo Clinic, and this is what he says. Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. Though I have never known a man who died of overwork, I have known a whole lot of men who died of worry. And he said this, I saw a bumper sticker once that said, anxiety is my daily cardio, and it's not a good one. God has promised to walk, us, walk with us through the darkest valleys and the greatest tragedies. And this is what Jesus means when he tells us not to worry about tomorrow. 
because each day has enough trouble of its own. Now you may think, well, wow, wow, that's really helpful, Jesus. Thanks a lot. Wow, you want me to face today but not worry about tomorrow? How does that really help me practically? Because I know at the end of the day, my problem is still going to be there tomorrow. But here's the beautiful thing. Our problem still might be there tomorrow, but guess who's also waiting the other day? Jesus. So he looks at that problem and goes, Mesh, I am with you still. Church, I am still with you still. Just because the problem is there, that's okay. Focus on me because I'm with you there too. I think sometimes we forget that. We let the worries of life get ahead of Jesus. We can allow Jesus into our life to help us face the circumstances that we deal with. Isaiah 41.10 says this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. So when it talks about do not fear, this is regarding the Jews who were exiled in captivity, in captivity of, of Babylon. And the idea was that God was saying that to his nation, this people, that they had nothing to fear. And he is saying the same to us, that we have nothing to fear. If he said that to a whole nation, what is he saying to that for us today? He is saying we don't need to fear. Also says, for I am with you. We shouldn't be afraid because God is with us. Now, does that mean life is easy? I am not saying that. Many of you are facing things today that I'm not even aware of. And some I am aware of. And I want to encourage you to face the giant with God by your side. To trust in who he is in your life. I don't know what the outcome is going to be for your scenario. But what I do believe is that God is faithful. And he can help and encourage you whatever you're facing. You know, I faced many trials in my life. I've struggled with lots of things in my life. There are times where I've tried to do things on my own. I've tried to make it through the day by myself. And often, I've been reminded by the Holy Spirit, saying to me, let me in. Let me in. Because I can walk with you. Many years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. This was many years ago, 1991. And they pulled up my appendix and it almost had ruptured. It was this big ordeal. And I won't get into that too much today. And I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And I know some of you struggle with that. And it made my life miserable. I couldn't hold a job down. I was in and out of the hospital more often than not. Matter of fact, the people, the staff knew me by name. I was there so much. Because I had to get morphine shots and Demerol shots because the pain was so unbearable. I have a pretty high pain threshold, but Crohn's brought me to my knees. And there was medication for it, but the medication side effects were so terrible, I decided I'm just going to suffer in silence. I'm not going to take the medication. I'm just going to go for it. And I struggled mightily. I was often in my bed alone, weeping, just outright weeping in the pain I was in because I couldn't function day to day. And I lived like this for years. And this was a huge giant we as a family were facing. And now my family weren't Christians, but they still saw the pain I was going through. And I tried to suffer in silence. I didn't complain much. Because for me, that was going to be an encouragement for people to know even in the giant that I'm facing, 
It can be, still be a testimony of who Jesus is in my life. See, when David fought this giant, there were stories flying everywhere that there was a testimony of what David did, and David pointed people back to the God of Israel to say, he's the one who delivered us from Goliath. And that's a testimony that probably brought a lot of people to faith. And how we suffer in our lives, the giants we're facing can make a difference in the testimonies that we can give others. Now, I don't have Crohn's disease anymore, praise God. I'll tell you that story another day. I was healed and delivered from Crohn's, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and that was a giant that I faced for a long time, but I, I feel like I want to encourage you because I'm not saying necessarily you're going to get healed today, but what I'm saying is even in my moment that I suffered for those many years, I faced that giant daily with God. Now, was it easy? There were days I would raise up my white flag and say, I'm done. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to be in the battle anymore. And then the Holy Spirit reminds me, Mesh, why do you think this is your battle? You might be in it, but it doesn't mean it's your battle. And it reminded me to let God lead me in it. I'm going to wrap this up. Worship team, come on up. So a couple of questions for you. What are your Goliaths that you're facing today? And what is it in your life that you're living in fear or circumstance that dictate, dictates how you allow God into your life? Are you allowing God in your circumstance? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to come and encourage you? See, when we focus on our giants, we're going to stumble. But when we focus on God, the giants tumble in our lives. See, when David defeated Goliath, others were blessed because of it. And God can use your circumstances to be a blessing to other people in your life as well. See, God is greater than your giant. So as you go into this week, as you think about your circumstances, as you think about the giant you're facing, no matter how big it might be, measure your giant against God and not yourself. Measure your giant against God and not yourself. Because if you face your giant upon yourself, if I face my giant upon myself, I'm going to fail. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to act out of my flesh. And I'm going to try to control something that I have no control over. And I hope that encourages you. And at the end of the service, we have a prayer time as well. And if you are facing a giant, whatever it is, and you need somewhere to go to pray, this is a safe place for you. This is a place we want you to come today. Not drive home in your car alone and struggle by yourself. We are a community, and we want to do this together. We're not a perfect community. We're flawed people, as we all are, as we all stumble towards heaven. But what's great, the church is a place for the sick, and not for the well. And I'm, I, I'm not well. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, we can come together in community to support each other. So please, we encourage you to come forward. Let me pray, and we're going to wrap up with a worship song. Father, thank you for the story of David and Goliath and how you took this young shepherd who had a, a humble heart to serve you, and he stood in the valley, and he looked that giant in the eye, and he said, because of the power of the Lord my God, I will defeat you. And I pray, Lord, that is the, 
heart's cry of us today that when we stand in that valley and we look at the giant in our life that you'd give us the strength we need and the hope we need and the power of the Holy Spirit to recognize we can't do this by ourselves and for those today Lord that have come that are in a place of darkness of struggle of pain Father I pray you give them courage to come forward for prayer to receive encouragement Lord, give them what they need. Because, Lord, I know you can. Thank you for each one. Thank you that you're with us in all circumstances. Even though, Lord, it's been hard at times in my life to see it, but you often remind me by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're with me. And I pray the same for each person here in Jesus' name.